everyone. This is Morgan Phelps with Acuity Brands. Thank you for tuning in to the Women in Sustainability and Enterprise podcast, also known as WISE. We created this podcast to elevate the voices and achievements of women within Acuity Brands who are working towards a more sustainable environment and workplace. As Acuity continues their sustainable journey, we want to amplify the stories of the women who helped us get here because it takes us all. Welcome to our journey. I'm your co-host Simran alongside Lauren Scott. Today, our guest is Rosa Pareto, a business unit leader of Gotham Lighting here at Acuity Brands. Rosa brings over a decade of experience in marketing, demand generation, and consumer behavior. Seven of those years she spent in the electrical and electronic manufacturing industry with a focus on product management, product marketing, and new business development. In 2018, she started her career at Acuity Brands as a product manager for indoor specification ambient solutions in the Lithonia brand. Rosa holds a BS in economics and marketing from Rutgers Business School. And when she's not working, Rosa is invested in relaxing her mind and prioritizing her personal and communal health and wellness. And now I'll turn it over to Lauren to kick us off. Thanks, Simran. To help bring our listeners up to speed with a bit of additional background, Rosa, could you walk us through your professional journey so far, somewhere where you started to all the way to where you are today? Yes, of course. Um, I think I would say that my professional journey actually started before my formal career took off. Growing up, my father was an entrepreneur, and one of the most memorable businesses he had was the ownership and direction of a local newspaper in the tri-state area. This newspaper was specifically designed to bridge the communication between reader, government, and local businesses across all of the Latino ethnic groups in that region. So when he started his newspaper, I was nine years old. Therefore, the relationship that I developed with his business was directly intertwined with the exposure and human behavior aspect of his salesmanship. And like many media outlets at the time, his newspaper was financially reliant on advertisements. So in the summer months that I refused to go to summer camp and had no babysitter on site, he would bring me along to his business meetings and I'd watch him develop new friendships, create mutually beneficial relationships make negotiations, and watch his expertise in understanding people and how they behave. So that stood with me. And when I became an adult, entered college, and wanted to start working, I already had skills, unbeknownst to me, that would make me interested and suitable for customer-facing responsibilities. So during the four years that I was at Rutgers, I worked for my dad for a brief period, the Blanche and Irwin Learner Center Pharmaceutical Issues, the City of Elizabeth's Public Information Office, JNL Marketing as a Promotion Coordinator, and the State of New Jersey through its CPM program out of the School of Public Administration. And the responsibilities I held, though different in every role, had a common theme that would propel me to understand the inner workings of six key things that are at the center of everything that I do today. And those are listening, learning, evaluating, analyzing, identifying the root problem, creating a solution, and executing it. Obviously, you know, these are skills that I continuously refine through experience and practice. But what allowed me to be successful in my journey through the electrical and electronic manufacturing industry, and specifically within product management. 
So in 2014, I joined Philips Lighting in their BG Lamps division, where I managed several conventional technologies of lighting, CFL, halogen, HID, to name a few, to some of which, to an extent, represent the advancement towards more energy-saving solutions. And not to be thematic at all, but what really intrigued me about that organization was their forward thinking about environmental and human-centric initiatives. I vividly remember the first time logging into the webpage and reading their goal, reading that their goal was to be 100% carbon neutral by 2020. And though 2020 seemed like a long time from 2014 back then, it was something that struck me because not many companies had defined goals on sustainable initiatives or shifted missions to include sustainable initiatives in the way they did business. So this was one that I took personally because I found a lot of significance in what that would mean to our environment coming from a manufacturer of its magnitude. Um, There I spent a little over four years, and in 2018, I joined Acuity Brands and moved to Atlanta to be part of the commercial indoor team, managing their specification ambient portfolio. I've spent an incredible two and a half years with that team, and in March of this year, I became the new business unit leader for Gotham Lighting. You've certainly had a journey through all of the different experiences that you've had. And, you know, I think one thing that really struck out to me when when I was reading through your background, um, how much you've actually traveled throughout the world, too. So I, I know that you've said that you've traveled to five out of the seven continents. Um, first of all, that's an amazing feat. And second of all, you know, how how do you think that the the travel and the experiences that you've had in these different places, like how have they how have you seen sustainability kind of evolve in these different areas? Yeah. So I've been to Canada, Mexico, Jamaica, and obviously several states within the United States and North America, Peru and South America, South Africa and Morocco and Africa, Germany, France, Spain and Europe, and Thailand, Japan, Malaysia and Singapore and Southeast Asia. So as it pertains to sustainability, what I've observed is that sustainability tends to differ by different levels of social economic power each sovereign country has. So for example, the countries that I've been to that are still considered to be developing countries, you'll see that they tend to have more severe cases of air and water pollution, climate change, soil degradation, overexploitation of natural resources, and biodiversity laws, for example. Whereas in those countries that are considered developed, though they still suffer from these issues, they have the economic backing to create initiatives to prevent these problems from becoming a crisis. And where I found a lot of optimism is in the policy change from those developed countries looking to help those in the developing world become more sustainable. So without going too far, Canada, for example, has three guiding principles to guide their integration of environmental sustainability in Canada's international assistance, one of which is the do not harm. And that says that Canada's development initiatives will not pollute or degrade the environment or natural resources of its partner countries, and that its initiative will aim for multiple benefits that improve the environment while benefiting other sectors such as gender equality and economic growth. So that is encouraging. When looking towards the future, um, it, it rises a feeling of reassurance to see that the world is trying to work together to become a more sustainable and inclusive planet. 
Well, clearly, as a Montrealer, I can appreciate that shout out to Canadian policy. <laughs> um, in, addition, <laughs> in addition to this geographically diverse experience, your professional journey also spans across both the private and public sectors. What are some of the biggest differences that you've seen in terms of sustainability initiatives between that private and public division? Yeah, I think the similarities that I've experienced personally are probably more linked to the advancements of the last 10 years from both sectors, as a millennial generation has gained sizable share in the labor force. To me, there's a strong correlation between sustainability, wellness, and the growth of influence from the millennial and more recently the Gen Z generations. I'll give you an example. When I started working over a decade ago, Very few people express their determination to wanting to save our planet through their everyday activities. And commercially, it wasn't a leading topic among your closest consumer entities to highlight how they'd want to do the same. Today, you cannot look at any major industry without noticing a certification program, financial incentive, recognitions, or movement that directly supports some form of a sustainability cause. At the same time, You also notice that the millennial generation is 35% of the labor force and has a collective spending power of a close to $1.5 trillion. So from the beauty industry to the food industry, I think the major players are demonstrating that they recognize that these causes need to be regarded as important to better cater to the audiences that they serve because they've evolved. And in the public sector, I'll share with you a brief example um, in the city that I grew up in. In 2018, the Union County government and Groundwork Elizabeth put in place a program called Kids Dig In, which would focus on implementing urban farming within all the schools in the city. And the goal for this program was to be able to teach students from urban communities how to grow their own produce, but also give back to their community by donating 30% of all local produce grown to their local food pantries. At the center of this program is the person that came up with the idea a friend of mine that is part of this generational change within government, who is now able to directly impact the transformation towards a more sustainable society for his constituents. So that is the exchange that I've experienced. To me, it's been as recent as the last five years where I can confidently say that I've noticed the conversations about sustainability have drastically changed. And without a doubt, I'm sure there are additional factors, but I think at the core, is also the effect of an evolved society in both of these sectors and increasingly in the people that hold positions of power in them. Shifting the conversation back to Acuity Brands and and our own sustainability journey, um, how have you seen that story evolve since you joined to where you are today? Acuity's sustainability story has evolved tremendously since the day I started. The pledge we have in place today to reduce carbon by 100 metric tons by 2030 is extremely motivating. When I started here, I was aware there were company-wide sustainability efforts, but the way the organization has been able to bring it to the forefront and make it a significant priority across the corporation is truly incredible. And I guess playing off of that, so the broader uh, evolution of our products, how have you seen our lighting products evolve to focus more on sustainability? And this is both in terms of minimizing our environmental footprint, but also the industry's overall shift towards LED lighting. Yeah, 
So from the lens of product management, in the three years I've been here, I can tell you, Lauren, that the focus on developing sustainable solutions has always been a priority. What's changed has been the growth of new technologies that have helped open new doors and innovate ways to provide more sustainable products and also improve the existing ones. I am fortunate enough to be in a position where I can influence minimizing our environmental footprint. And this is something that I know we look at from inception of the product development cycle and at every point of the product's lifecycle curve. But what I find to be most important in this evolution is the undivided support to want to do that and to want to continuously get better. And shifting specifically to the Gotham brand and and the work that you do there, um, you know, how do you think that Gotham brand kind of sticks out in comparison to the other brands that we have in the in the lighting sector, whether that's, you know, from an energy or sustainability focus or the ambiance, you know, what? really, in your opinion, makes Gotham's lighting fixtures so unique? Gotham is special. So Gotham is a brand that was born in New York in 1938. It was one of the world's first brands of racist downlighting. It introduced the first LED color-changing downlight, the first LED indirect downlight, the first high-lumen LED downlight, which many may recognize today called Encito. And though it's definitely had many firsts in the 83 years, I think what's been extremely remarkable to me has been to find that it still stands as the most specified downlighting brand in the industry. And there are things that I think make it so. So for starters, we have the broadest, most diverse portfolio of cylinders and recess downlights in the market. Currently, there are over 25,000 active CI codes and millions of configurations available to specify across our lines. Secondly, Gotham designs its products with their end users in mind, and that includes the person that is working in the office space, the one that is designing for the office space, and the ones that are installing the fixtures within the office space. And third, the engineering of Gotham products is honestly at another level. From new optical developments to groundbreaking designs and distinctive performance specs, I've always described as Gotham being like the perfect swift knife. And since I've been on board, what I found is I found a lot of exceptional things about the brand, the team, the customers. And I honestly think that all of that complements into an extremely exciting journey for me. Um, As it pertains to sustainability, it is actually one of the areas where we're already seeing results from the initiatives we implemented earlier this fiscal year. In the last three months, we have been able to cut 134,000 pounds of sheet metal and cardboard just from our Evo 4 and 6-inch downlights. And this year, we're going to be cutting a half a million pounds of sheet metal and cardboard as well. Rosa, you clearly bring a special balance of lighting, product knowledge, relationship building with our agencies, and so much more to the organization. Being a young woman in the lighting industry today, what would you say is your superpower in making both our company and industry more successful? That's a good question. I think one of my greatest strengths and one of the things that I appreciate about myself now more than ever is my ability to see things from different perspectives and be able to create a common ground. It's something that I've obviously practiced my entire career, but in the position that I am in today, I see the importance of what it is to be able to securely bridge a gap of communication in order to make the best decisions. I think my youth helps me see a legacy industry and with a set of fresh new eyes. 
and bring forth the customer first thought process with new behaviors and learning, teaching and digesting information, for example. The last thing I would say that I think positively impacts the industry and the company is that I'm someone that needs to find meaning in the things that I do. I cannot dedicate myself to something that is not impactful or significant because otherwise it's difficult for me to find the purpose. And I need that to identify passion. So having that perspective also allows me to organically care about the people I impact. In the work that I do today, I care about the person in the room, the person installing the fixture, the person specifying the product and helping their vision come to life, the person that needs the robust portfolio to sell, and the person that needs to meet a budget. And I know that my decisions can affect the daily lives of these people and affect how successful they become in what they do. And so I take that with a lot of responsibility, which I think helps make the company and the importance of the industry become more successful. I definitely think that you hit upon one of the strongest attributes of millennials in the workforce, which is that that desire and really that that focus on finding a career path that has meaning and impact and and has a mission. Um, you know, Acuity is is an industrial technology company, and this is an industry that traditionally has not seen a lot of representation, um, both from you know women and just general diversity. Um, what advice would you have for the younger generation or, you know, the younger version of yourself uh, who are interested in starting off in this industry, but may not see themselves re- reflected in the workforce today? Yeah, I think I have two pieces of advice for that, Simra. The first one is don't be afraid to be yourself. Um, and that is something that I continue to practice till this day. I think when you are considered to be a part of an other be it demographically, ethnically, and gender, and sexual orientation, or even in the lower ranks of corporate hierarchy, it is very easy to feel intimidated. However, one has to recognize that that feeling of intimidation will impede you from feeling proud of being yourself and acknowledging your worth. And I found that the moment that you realize that your value is in your unique story, and that that authenticity is what makes you great, you will feel empowered to do anything and everything that you've ever wanted to do within the role, within the industry, or even outside of it. And the second one is be the change you want to see. It's something that I also continue to practice on an everyday basis. And I think every person in every industry and in every rank across every country has encountered that moment where they have to make the choice of treat them as I as they treated you or do I treat them how I like to be treated? And in every sense, right? Be it in behaviors and actions and communication styles. And I found that those instances are actually moments of power where we're able to change the dynamic of our environment through examples. And as hard as it may be sometimes, depending on the circumstance, Taking the route of showing them how you'd like to be treated has the ability to drive the change you want to see to the future and hopefully influence the expansion of expectations others will have on the group of people that may look just like you. Some incredibly deep introspection, and I think something that we can all learn from. Um, It sounds like this is part of your regular practices, bringing it back to, to the sustainability element. 
Um, how do you practice sustainability in your personal life and in your general interests? You definitely touched upon it a little bit there, but if you could dive it into it further, that would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, the way that I practice sustainability in my personal life and interests is honestly a combination of what I hear, what I eat, what I watch, and what I do. So from recycling to staying informed with the news to reading some books about self-help and wellness and mental health um, to understanding what's in my food and how um, I can improve on in that area if there's any more areas to improve. I would say those are the key things that I tend to focus on when it comes to practicing um, sustainability personally. I can definitely relate to to the eating being a vegetarian. Um, you know, I definitely think that there's a lot that we can do from our personal life. And, and I think that there's something that we can also talk about in terms of like focus too. I know that you mentioned like things that you're learning and doing in your personal life. Is, is there like a single piece of either book or podcast or publication that you would recommend someone who's interested in learning about sustainability to kind of dive into to just kind of get their their thoughts centered around the idea? So for me, Simran, I am a very visual person. So I tend to look for those documentaries that will give me the inside scoop or the results from research that a group of people have focused on as it pertains to any topic. So as it as it pertains to sustainability specifically, I've followed a few of the National Geographic documentaries. Um, so I would recommend any of those. Um, from a woman's standpoint, um, as it pertains to the enterprise piece, I found a lot of great information from Brene Brown. Um, there's two books that I've read that I think have significantly impacted me and I can say have helped me um, throughout my journey. And that is one of her books called, I thought it was just me. It was just me, but it isn't. And the other one is the gifts of imperfection. Wonderful. And one of the last questions that we always like to ask our guests, because the term sustainability has many different iterations and interpretations, we want to know what sustainability means to you. So Sustainability to me means my contribution to the next generations, which translates to me needing to understand what it is that I need to care about today to make the lives of others that will come after me more fruitful to my family members, my peers, my future children. What habits, new perspective factors do I need to take into account to know that I am doing my part and leaving a world much better behind than when when I entered it and actually act on it. Well, Rosa, I, th I think I can speak for everyone who's listening. This has been such a great conversation and it's been so wonderful to hear your journey and, and really also learn about Gotham. I think that, you know, a big part of what our listeners love about this podcast is not just elevating voices of other women at Acuity, but learning about so much of the work that goes on um, across the organization. So definitely want to thank you so much for your time and, and thank you for sharing your story with us and the listeners. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for supporting this month's Women of the Month here on WISE. We're looking forward to sharing more success and stories with you all here at Acuity Brands. 
Feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, and we'll see you all next month.